How's everybody doing tonight? Good, good, good. Um, I would just like to start off by honoring our amazing and fearless leaders, um, Pastors Kevin and Devin. Can we give it up for them? Yes. I'm so glad to be in the house with leaders that give us this opportunity. And I'd also like to honor real quick the leadership of RSM, Pastor Wilmari, Pastor Autumn, Pastor Rick, if you could give it up for them. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, um, y'all can be seated. <laughs> so my name's Dakota. I am a first year at RSM. Um, and none of you probably know, but I used to be a daycare teacher, so I like to keep things interactive. So um, on the count of three, everybody shout out your name really loud. One, two, three. Awesome, awesome. Now we're on a first name basis. All right, so tonight I'll be talking a little bit on names and the power that they hold. If you'll bow your head with me, we'll pray real quick. Lord, I pray that you would just open our ears to what you have to say to us through these speakers tonight. I pray that our hearts would be open to receive it and that every word that comes out of my mouth is from you and not of my own. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you could turn with me real quick to Matthew chapter four. And to set the scene a little bit, Matthew chapter four is when Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. So we're going to start in verse 3, and it says, During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become loaves of bread. So I think it's funny how the devil literally approached the perfect Son of God, and the first words out of his mouth were, If you are the Son of God. He immediately approached him and tried to place doubt in him and make him question his identity in Christ, even though he's literally the Son of God. And then following that, he told him to prove it, told him to prove himself. And if Satan approaches Jesus in that way, what makes you think he's not going to approach you in that way? So he uses the same tactic on us. He comes, comes in, tries to place doubt and say, if you're a child of God, you wouldn't be doing this. If you're a child of God, you wouldn't be acting in this way. If you're a child of God, then prove it. The enemy wants nothing more for us than to get us out of a posture of simply being and into the legalism of doing in order to prove our worth and identity. So let's go back a chapter to Matthew chapter three, starting in the last verse, 17. It says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So this is the beginning of the book of Matthew, right? Matthew chapter three. And God is talking to Jesus and saying, this is my beloved son. Jesus' ministry has not even started yet. He's done nothing to earn that title. And he says he's pleased with him. It's not by his works that he's pleased with him, but he is a creation. He is made in his image, and that is why he is pleased with him. I don't think it's coincidence that the last verse in chapter 3 is God affirming the identity of Jesus as his son. And then in the very next chapter, he come, the Satan comes in and questions his identity. Doubt is the destructor of destinies. Satan himself understands the power of names because he understands the power in the name of Jesus because at his knees, at the name of Jesus, he has to bow. And we're joint heirs with Jesus, so we have authority we can walk in as well. So Oftentimes in younger years, you're very impressionable, and what people call you, 
you tend to adapt to and walk in those names. You can do two, one, you can do two different things. You can either come into agreement with those names and ultimately submit yourself to operating in the name they tag you with, which is a very dangerous place to be because you've allowed somebody else to name your destiny rather than the creator who created you. Or you can decide to disagree with them and stand firm in the identity that God gave you from birth as joint heirs with Jesus. So James chapter three, verses five through six says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. And this is the part that we're gonna focus on. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. So James warns us here that it can set the whole course of one's life on fire. Words and names spoken over you that are not from the Lord must be broken. If you come into agreement with them and they go against the word of God, then you may have been manifesting that name through your actions your whole life. Our identity is wrapped up in how we view the Father because we're made in his image. And if Satan can plant those toxic thought patterns in your mind at an early age, then he'll have you questioning throughout your whole life, is God really good? Am I really covered by the blood of Jesus? So today, believe who you are, who the I am says that you are. And as Justin comes, begins to prepare to come up, um, as I said before, I used to be a daycare teacher, so I like to keep things interactive. Um, so we're going to do a few affirmations because I used to do these with my kids, and it sticks with you. So if you could all place your hand on your heart, okay, and say, I am chosen. I am loved. I am redeemed. I am a child of God. Awesome. Thank you. Justin, and uh, I'm a second year at RSM, and I'm just going to jump in this because I want to make sure I have enough time to say what I want to say. So I have a couple of scriptures I'm going to use, but my main scripture that everything's going to fall under is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So I'm going to primarily be talking about butterflies. God speaks to me a lot through butterflies. And at first, I was a little bit annoyed because I'm a big, bearded, mohawked man. And I said, God, you can't use a lion, you can't use a bear, a honey badger, something with a little bit of fight, claws. I mean, but the more he has revealed, the more I'm okay with the butterfly. So at first, you don't even have a butterfly. At first, there's a caterpillar. But a butterfly is not a mistake. It's not some... Darwinist hooey. It's, it's planned. God looks at the caterpillar and he sees the butterfly inside and he has a plan for it. Scientifically speaking, butterflies and caterpillar have completely different DNA. And when a caterpillar is created, it already has the DNA for the butterfly inside of it. But after the change, when it becomes a butterfly, that caterpillar DNA is no longer present. When a caterpillar... <laughs> goes inside of its cocoon, the old thing dies. 
And behold, new things have come. And we are supposed to become a new thing. God doesn't just want you to be a better caterpillar your whole life. A caterpillar will never be able to fly. It does not matter how good it is. And that's why in Romans 12, 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Greek word, metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. When it says be transformed, it's just like a caterpillar building a cocoon. The new DNA rises up and it is transformed. You could almost say a caterpillar has to be born again before it can become a butterfly. I hope everybody in this room knows you're all butterflies. Even if you don't know you are, I promise you it's inside of you. You may say, I don't look like it. I don't act like it. I don't feel like it. Well, that doesn't matter. We were all born into sin but we were also all born with godly DNA inside of us. So now you may be saying, okay, Justin, well, how do I get my experience to line up with what God says about me? Well, I'm so glad you've asked. In Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Caterpillars create their cocoon with silk that comes out of their mouth. You have to speak life into every situation. The power of life and death is in the tongue. <laughs> and the devil is just waiting for you to agree with a lie. Because that's all he has. The devil has no power over you. All he has is if he can get you to believe a lie, then you give him power. And the devil does not play fair. He tries to condition us to believe what he wants over time, and he does this in a lot of ways. Words other people speak to us, especially when we're younger. He reminds us of our mistakes, and he likes to use entertainment, like TV and music we listen to. During praise and worship, you come in here and you sing, I'm gonna see a victory. And in that moment, you're prophesying over yourself. You may not realize it, but that's what you're doing. You're speaking that into your life, that is the silk coming out of your mouth. That is what you are building your cocoon with, and that is how your mind is being renewed. Then you get in the car, and you turn on Hank Williams, and you start singing, I'm so lonesome I could cry. And in that moment, you're prophesying that over yourself, and you're renewing your mind with that. And you may say, but Justin, it's just a song. I didn't write it. I'm just singing along. Well, I would agree. Except, as I've already said, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And the devil's a jerk, and he's going to use whatever he can to get one over on you. There is an attack on our words, especially right now. Speaking God's truth about you renews, renews you, and it's what you will see in your life if you believe. We talk a lot about surrendering our will to God, and we need to do that. But we need to start talking more about surrendering our beliefs to God. The belief that you're shy, the belief that you're not good enough, or whatever it is, fill in the blank. You may say, but it's true. Well, it may be true to you, but it's still not true about you. I once heard Pastor Steve Bachland say, the greatest strongholds blocking the promises of God are not regional demonic principalities. They are the belief systems in minds of Christians. So in closing, as Althea comes, I want to ask you, what have you renewed your mind with? The love and promises of God? 
or the lies of the enemy. Because at the end of the day, the most important person you're ever going to prophesy over is you. And you have to do it even when there's music playing or there's not. Thank you, guys. Wow, Justin, I'm so proud of you. That was amazing. Woo! That was so good. I'm so glad that I wore my butterfly earrings and my butterfly necklace. That is a confirmation that the Lord speaks in all things, even accessories, ladies. Okay. Okay. Um, so I studied psychology in college, and one of the things that I've always uh, held in my heart or remembered was that the feeling of anxiety is expressed in the same way as excitement. So physiologically, the sweaty palms, the rapid heart rate, everything I'm feeling right now <laughs> is the same as excitement. And so I would use this tool when I would dance or right before I do a play or performance. I'm not afraid. I'm excited. I'm excited today. All right. So I actually wanted to speak on this very thing about fear and anxiety. Whew. The week that I was asked to speak was probably one of the toughest week, weeks I've ever had in the two years I've been here. Um, I was so plagued by fear that I lost sleep. I'm actually, I was so ashamed and fearful to even say this because you look at me and you're like, Allie, she's so bold and you know confident, but I was literally plagued with fear. I probably slept for two hours a night. I stopped eating, and I just really couldn't focus. And then I, <laughs> I realized that the best diet plan is being asked to preach because <laughs> I was like, Lord, what is happening to me? And so I pleaded and I begged. I begged. Did I not beg, Pastor Rick? I begged. Please do not make me do this. On the fourth time, I got real confident and I called Pastor Rick's cell phone. He's laughing. I called his phone. I said, Pastor Rick, I need to speak with you. And if you know him, he said, okay. I said, I'm not ready. I'm having a really tough week. I don't have time to study. I don't have a word. I cannot do this. I'm not qualified. And I realized in that moment, how can I encourage anyone when I feel so discouraged? I began to even bargain. I said, Pastor Rick, I'll dance. Give me the flags, I'll dance. I'll pray, I'll do the offering. Nobody wants to do the offering for some reason, I'll do it. <laughs> but in his loving and pastoral way, he just said, Allie, you are to be ready in and out of season. <laughs> I just wanted to hang up. So bad. And so I was really mad at Pastor Rick uh, for about five minutes. And I also felt a peace because I knew it was the word of the Lord that I didn't admit this to you, but the Lord told me that was what I was supposed to preach. Second Timothy 4 verse 2. It says, preach the word. Preach the word. Pastor Kevin will say, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 
for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. So why am I sharing this all with you today? Preach the word no matter what season you're in. Some interpretations even say in unfavorable seasons, preach the word. It was yesterday, up to yesterday, I felt so afraid, frustrated, and ashamed that I felt so much fear. Self-talk didn't work. Positive thinking didn't work. I even reached a point where I thought scripture didn't work. I had straight torment. So I finally get fed up and I spoke to that spirit of fear. And I said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine taunting me? I am a child of God. I am a child of the Most High. I am a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am a child of the Savior and the ruler of this world. I am a child of God. And then something broke because I realized it wasn't about me, it was about who he was. And then I thought, what if there's one person in here who's struggling with fear and anxiety? And I can just share this with you. Pastor Rick gave me a small, teeny tiny window where he said, pray about it and let me know. I asked myself, why am I so afraid? Fear of disappointing my leaders, fear of disappointing my friends, fear of not saying the right thing, fear of not measuring up, fear of tripping on the stage. <laughs> so I wanted to taunt the devil and I wore these heels. <laughs> ha ha, you couldn't scare me, okay. I was afraid of failure, fear of failure. So I was speaking to some RSM friends, uh, Sam Smith and Joe, at different times. And they both shared that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's pressing through in spite of. It doesn't matter what season you're in, preach the word with all boldness. Some of you are afraid to start that podcast. Some of you are afraid to start that YouTube channel. Some of you are afraid to dance, sing. But the Lord is saying, in spite of what you feel, go for it. Do it. I come to encourage you, fear not, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That is all. So let's welcome Catherine up. <laughs> Amen. Hey, hey, hey. So, tonight I am speaking on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if I can get my book open. And we're going to start reading in Daniel chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. For preface, this is right before they come into the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, and they're about to get their name changed. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them names to Daniel, work with me, I can't really say it, Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. See, I think it's funny that whenever we speak on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we always speak on 
the fiery furnace, we speak on how they were delivered out of the fire. They stood strong in their faith, but we never talk about the name change. The enemy tried changing their names from what they were told at birth. Where Meshach belong, means belonging to Aku, Babylonian god of the moon. Mishel means who is like the mighty one. Shadrach means command of Aku, whereas Hananiah means Yahweh protects. And Abednego is servant to Nego, which is the Babylonian god of writing and vegetation. Azariah is Yahweh will help. The enemy tried to take their identity at this time because it is believed that they were around the ages of 13 to 15 years old. Around this time and this age, typically your brain is still in development and learning how to process and make decisions. Had they walked in their names given by the enemy, then they would have not have stepped into the purpose God had called them to. They would have not walked into that fire. They would have bowed and they would have, they would have just been defeated. It is our, it's, if we focus on the things of this world and our alignment is not lined up with the word of God, then our identity is out of alignment because we don't know his heart. And because we don't know his heart, we don't know our own hearts. What happened to the 13, and 14 year old, 13 to 15 year olds who would go to their king, go to their leader and say, if we are, if we are thrown into the furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know that we're not going to serve your gods and we are not going to bow down to the idols that you have put upon us. Daniel 3:17. Why did we stop standing strong in the identity God has given us? When people started losing their way, started saying, I don't know who I am. The people that rose up started saying, oh, well, you can be this. Oh, well, we can turn you into this. What happened to the people that would come up to us and say, oh, you don't know who you are? Well, let me tell you who God says you are. Because in 2 Corinthians 2.18, it says he will make you, wait, hold on, is that the one? Oh, wait, hold on, sorry, I lost my spot. It says he will make you, um, or you, will, you shall be sons and daughters to me. It says it says he will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 28:13. Y'all, we are not our job. We are not our gift and we are not the relationships with the people we are with. We are found in Christ Jesus and the more we go deeper into relationship with him, the more we will find ourselves because we are him. We were made in his image. So as Miss Vanita um, is starting to come up, I want to leave y'all with this thought. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's names were shown, their names given at birth, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were shown when they were thrown into the fire. Because if you remember what I said that their names were, names meant, it meant mighty, it meant Yahweh protects and it may, Yahweh helps. 
They were thrown into the fire and their names were shown because the mighty protective helping hand of God was upon them. Because they didn't step into the false identity the enemy had, they stepped into the promise God gave them. Awesome word, awesome word. I never thought that I would be in a position where God changes a message. <laughs> so I'm that butterfly being transformed. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> so I don't, um, I believe that the Lord wants me to declare a thing this evening. Um, so my prayer is that you have a spirit, uh, ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to proclaim, preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I'm going to say it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Come on, I need you to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because if you ever doubt it, the importance of knowing your identity, my prayer tonight is that you catch it. That you realize that the Spirit of the Lord is not coming upon you just to be setting and resting. But he has anointed you. Come on. Say the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed you. He has anointed me. Come on. To proclaim. Say it with me. To proclaim. The gospel. To the poor. He has sent me. To heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Lord, you set me at liberty, those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Captives means to be taken, a prisoner of war, a captive. Come on, hear that. Recovering or restoring the sight to the blind. This is what you have been called to. Oppress those who are pressed to be exploited or systematically harmed by others. So don't tell me what are you here for. 
Don't tell me I don't need to know who I am. Because God knows he, we need to know who we are in him because we got work to do. Amen? There may be people in your life that needs you. You have been anointed. You have been given the spirit of God. Amen. I know that you have heard this before, but God wants to clarify. He wants to awaken and he wants to remind you that you have the spirit of the Lord and you are anointed to do it. Amen. Amen. As Brother Justin comes up. I pray that you keep this in your remembrance. I pray that you speak it over you. This is Luke 4, 18. Begin to read it. Begin to meditate on it. Begin to believe it. Begin to receive it. Begin to speak it and declare it to your neighbors, to your friends, to your brothers, to your sisters, to those around you because we got work to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, I have to go after that. Praise the Lord. I'm going to jump right into this. I'm going to jump right in. Listen, everyone is born with two questions. Who am I and why am I here? And the two questions are related. They're connected. And you'll never know why you're here until you know who you are. And the problem is that the enemy knows this. And he never wants to see you fulfill your destiny. He never wants to see you reach your purpose. And so what does he do? He attacks your identity. If he can, if he can catch you in your identity, then that's what he, that's what he wants to do. So listen, as humans, um, so much of our development takes place as children. This is why there's such an attack on our kids today. We literally have eight-year-olds believing that they're supposed to change their genders. And it's celebrated. The enemy knows that if we find out our identities, then he's in trouble. And so one thing I wanna talk about tonight is um, pain. So pain is actually a tactic that the enemy uses to steal our identities. So pain, it's a gateway for the enemy to feed us lies and thoughts that fit right into our situation. And if I were to pass this microphone around this room, I'm sure that many of us could give an example a memory, a story, a moment in our life where we were hurt, we were wounded by somebody that we loved and trusted. Oftentimes this takes place when we're kids. Usually it's, it, it can be from a parent, a mentor, somebody that we look up to. And for me personally, it was my dad. And my dad left my mom and I at a young age and uh, I felt like he chose another family over me. And so this is where the enemy stepped in because the enemy uses pain from rejection, abandonment, absence, even something as simple as unmet needs to plant lies that say, I'm not good enough, I'm not loved, I'm not worthy, I'm never gonna amount to anything. And if we're not careful, if we don't deal with that pain, then what we feel can become what we think, and what we think can become what we believe. And then what we believe becomes who we are and what we walk in. If you're taking notes, write this down. Pain buried alive never dies. Feelings buried alive never die. This is why the word says don't let the sun go down on your anger. 
We have to deal with it. We have to face it. Ezekiel 47 talks about the river of God. John in Revelation 22 calls it a pure river, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne room. Everything that the river touches brings life. Everything. See, God's love, God's presence, God's blessings are like a river. And our hearts, our innermost beings, were designed to be submerged in that river. We were designed to live from that place. But what happens when we get hurt, when we, when we, when we receive pain, we start to build stones around our hearts. This is a defense mechanism. We build walls. We don't want to feel that pain. It hurt. It's our human nature to just bury it. We just bury it under the mat. We don't deal with it. We bury it alive. And so I want you to think about a river. If we were to go down to the Ocoee and go whitewater rafting, we're coming down. It's a blast. There's stones everywhere, right? We're going around those stones. What does a stone actually do to the river? Think about it. The stone actually deters the flow. So the river's flowing and it hits a stone. It actually has to go around the stone. So the stones, it actually prevents you from experiencing the fullness of the river. And if we're not careful, if we don't deal with it, then over time, we're essentially damming up the river. We'll keep adding stones, adding stones, adding stones, and missing more and more and more of the river. Psalm 147.3 says that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. I believe God wants to heal some hearts tonight. And he wants to heal our hearts so that we can know our true identities and experience fullness in him. But not only that, I want you to know that your healing isn't just for you. Like we talked about, the, the river, everything that it touches brings life. But guess who carries that river? You do. I do. And if I'm not walking in the fullness of that river, then what am I giving to you? If my cup isn't overflowing with that crystal clear, pure water from the throne room, what am I giving to you? A half a cup? A tainted cup of water? Your healing isn't just for you. The clock is intimidating. <laughs> See, we, we, we have to face pain and release it. And part of that is forgiveness. But I want you to know that you can also forgive and still maintain those stones of pain. So we have to ask God to search our hearts and show us any moments or memories of pain that need to be released to him. There's one more thing I want to touch on. Um, just like the enemy uses pain to plant lies and whispers, he can also use problems and circumstances. See, I want you to know that your circumstance doesn't define you. Your problems are not who you are. Pastor Kevin says this all the time. Problems are simply opportunities. The enemy wants your problem to become your identity, but God wants to use your problem as an opportunity to show you a new perspective of him. What if you viewed your problems as opportunities to see him on a greater level? What if, what if your problem or your circumstance that you're going through is just an opportunity to see a different perspective of him? Maybe to see him as Jehovah Jireh, to see him as Jehovah Rapha. Your problems are your opportunities. You guys can stand up, I'm getting ready to close. 
Justin talked about a butterfly. I'm going to tell you about a marine animal. Um, growing up, I wanted to be a marine biologist, and um, I have so much useless knowledge. I guess it's not useless knowledge of marine life, and God reminded me of a time where I actually studied oysters. Anybody eat oysters in here? Saltine cracker with some sauce? Let's go. Um, did you know that oysters produce pearls? This is where pearls come from, all right? And in fact, only one in 10,000 oysters will make a pearl naturally. And the process is amazing. Basically, what happens is something comes into the shell of the oyster. It's usually a piece of trash, a particle, a problem, something that doesn't belong. And it pierces the flesh of the oyster. It would be like us having a splinter. So, you know, you get a splinter, that joker hurts. It's small, it's painful, it's irritating. It can become a problem if it's not dealt with. And over time, the oyster begins to heal itself. <laughs> over time, the oyster begins to heal itself. And it's healing itself, and it's healing itself. It takes three months, sometimes 15 years to make a pearl. It's healing itself and healing itself and healing itself. And it eventually creates a pearl. The byproduct of the healing became something of great value. It created a pearl. So I want you to know that with God there is nothing that is wasted. It doesn't matter what you've been through. He doesn't cause the pain. He doesn't cause the splinter, but he uses it for his glory. And I just declare to you tonight that what was your pain will have purpose and that your pain will become pearls for the kingdom. And I declare that whatever problems that you're going through right now will become pearls for the kingdom. Hallelujah. I also want to remind you, what did Jesus say about your pearls? He said, don't cast them before swine. Not everybody deserves to know what you're going through. Not everybody needs to know your problems and your pain because not everybody wants to see those become pearls. Not everybody is for you. Not everybody wants to see you walking in your fullness and your true identity. Hallelujah. Just begin to worship him where you are. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you. these altars tonight, but first, I can't move any further until I do one thing. You may be sitting in this room, and you've heard all this talk about identity, you've heard all this talk about sons and daughters and butterflies and excitement and oysters and pearls and, and Maybe you've never actually given your heart to Jesus before. And so I want to give you an opportunity for that. I, let me tell you, if you want to know who you are, it, it starts by knowing who he is. He's the first step. So if, if, if you've never given your life to Jesus 
and you want to, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. Slip up your hand. Is there anybody in this room that wants to give their life to Jesus? Awesome. I saw one hand. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you. I see your hand. I'm so proud of you, man. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Give you all the glory, Father. I want to. I want to open up these altars. If there's anybody in here that um, that anything that was said tonight is just resonating with you, I believe that the Lord is here. These altars are open. I believe that forgiveness is here in this place. I believe that He wants to heal some hearts. If there's any, any, anything, any pain, any stones, anything that's preventing you from walking in your identity and you want to lay it at his feet, please come down. These altars are open. We just want to praise him for a minute. Just worship him wherever you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.